Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Costello Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. And thanks to the great Billy Bratcher for uh, penning that song and uh, performing it for us here on Travels with Charlie WDEV. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Great to be with you. Hey, before we get started here and give you the full lineup uh, for today's program, i got to give a shout out to my granddaughter who's listening. This will change the demographics here at WDEV. We have a six-year-old tuning in today. Of course, it's a school vacation, uh, spring vacation week. And uh, hi to uh, to Rose or Ro Ro as she likes to be called occasionally. So hi Rose, um, stay listening. We got a great program coming up today with the author of a new book, Lost Burlington, Vermont. He's also the founder of the Facebook group uh, with over twenty three thousand followers. Burlington Area History. Bob Blanchard is going to be joining us today. Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Jeff's going to have a preview of the upcoming Green Up Day. That's coming up uh, next month, and next month is just around the corner. But first guest today on Travels with Charlie, humble store owner and legislator. Won't you please welcome to Travels with Charlie, good friend, Senator Dick Mazza. Dick, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Charlie. How are you doing, Daddy? All right? Yeah, doing great. Good. To, yeah, I got to tell you, a lot of disappointed faces here at the WDEV. First off, uh, when they they were all happy when they found out you were going to be on the program because they, you know, they remembered the the gravy train that you used to bring on the to the old program when you'd show up with bags of goodies and yeah, baked yeah, goods and the know, like. And if I'd have been invited, I had all kinds of cookies and what? desserts and pies and everything. You know. Well, you know, and then but, I said, uh, you well, know. You, you, you thought you were going to have to take me to lunch, and you wouldn't do that. So, you know, I didn't want to spoil your day. <laughs> uh, you didn't want to take the drive down here to Waterbury today. Let's be honest, Dick. Come on. <laughs> they, they were thinking, oh, he's coming. Oh, what kind of baked goods are we going to get today? Well, sorry, he's uh, he's on the phone line. but uh, Well, you know, I had a whole bunch of stuff for, ready for the station, you know. So, uh, you know, but we'll have to send it over someday for you. Well, you pick it up, and I'll give it to him, okay? And, and you know, with that, uh, that big pay raise that you're going to be getting in Montpelier shortly, you'll be able to, you could send oh, it down. Oh, no, 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 please, no, no, <laughs> let's, no well, we let's get right, let's get, let's get into it right away. This is certainly, well, it's sure. a, con- it's a controversial sure. issue, uh, you know, and when isn't it? I mean, anytime that somebody has to vote themselves a pay raise, it never goes over very well, certainly. I, you know, as a select board member in Colchester, I've always been very shy about saying, you know, we need more money, uh, you know, but I wish somebody else would speak up. Uh, you know, Dick, if you ever get a chance to. Well, I mean, let's let's let's, let's face it. Select board put a lot of hours in for peanuts, uh, <clears throat> very very little money, and they spend a lot of evenings late at night. And uh, I think we're well compensated for our our services at, at Montpelier, but that's uh, you know that's an opinion of others shared differently. Yeah, well, and and certainly. If if you listen to you know some other senators there, like for instance uh, Senator Phil Baruth, he said, uh, you know, imagine if you didn't get a pay raise for twenty years. I didn't know if he was you know talking about me and Ernie back at the, the old radio station. <laughs> well, no, no, you were still fifteen dollars an hour would sound good to you guys today. You know what I mean? <laughs> but let's be honest, you no, listen, you you, you know, did listen, get we, pay we raises over the course of twenty years. We got we got cost of living adjustment just like the state employees. I you know there's a, it, if people understood the whole package, we get a we get a salary, we get expenses for meals every day, whether you eat them or not. Yeah. Uh, we get mileage if we travel or if we stay there. There's lodging. So when you put all the package together, uh, not one one thing can uh, cover another. I mean, you don't have to. I think our, our meals are like sixty some odd dollars a day, yeah. and uh, I, I have I can't remember the last time I spent that much money on food. So I mean that's part of your package also. So when they say that we're just based on salary, uh, that's not always accurate. I think there's a combination of other expenses that are in there, 
and I think it's uh, for lodging folks. I think it's about one hundred and forty fifty dollars a night for that. And uh, or if you travel, you get so much a mile yeah. for traveling. Uh, I, I travel every day. Some people stay there; they can't travel from, you know, Bennington and right. Rutland all over the place. Yeah, and, and that you know, I mean, you should be compensated for your mileage and so forth. And if you have to stay overnight, obviously, sure. you should yeah. be compensated yeah, for right. that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, by the way, if you have a question or comment, you want to talk with uh, Senator Dick Mazza this afternoon on travels with Charlie, you can join us on phone line at two four four seventeen seventy seven or one eight seven seven two nine one. 8255, or if you want to show up here at the studios, just as long as you bring some food, uh, you, you'll be welcome to join me here in studio. <laughs> so I, I, I just have to question, because I've, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time, and we've often talked about yep. the, the food allowance that you were given. And I can remember going back to, uh, you know, one of my favorite governors, Governor Jim Douglas, who, who, and I found out that he got a food allowance, and, and then I found out that he, he brown bagged it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that sure, was his, that's sure. his yeah, right. That's your choice. But you can do that. And, yeah. uh, there, you know, uh, you know, Jim Douglas has always, you know, he's been he's watched his dollars, and that's fine. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with that. No, and, we loved him. Uh, sure, you have a choice. You can do it if you want to go out to lunch, or if you want to bring a sandwich. Uh, that's fine. You can do either one. But you know, as far as the salary, this is not a career. This yeah. is not a twelve month deal. Like you're talking about uh, uh, health insurance. Yes. You know, why should we be getting health insurance for 12 months? I mean, we're only there three months. I'll tell you the answer. The answer is we ought to have a definite time of when we adjourn the legislature. We ought to have, uh, and I've said this for years, and I think uh, the governor also agrees, uh, we agree on this one. You ought to have like a 15-week session, and at least you can tell your employer, I am leaving until April 1st or April 3rd. That way it's definite. You've taken that leave of absence if you're allowed to. But you know the end right now it's open end. So yeah. we, we supposedly have three weeks left, and I, I think we we could have done it all by May April thirtieth. But having said that, it could go four weeks, and so that's the uncertainty. And I think that's I'd rather have an X number of dollars for the three months you're there, or whatever. Yeah. How many weeks? Fifteen weeks, or whatever. Yeah. And that's the way it works. And uh, if you want to go overtime, you don't get paid for it. Dick, can I ask you, how did that number, uh, you know, currently now uh, the, the food allowance, I don't, I don't mean to stick on this, but $69 a day, you're there four days a week, typically, you're off on Monday, so that's yep. $276 for lunches. You know, when the average person yep. thinks of that, you could probably, if you were, a, you know, a careful shopper, you could feed a family of two or three maybe for a few days, three meals. Uh, you know, that's a lot of money yeah, for I a single meal. Assuming- they're assuming people that stay there in the evening get their dinner at night. Uh, it all depends if you stay. A lot of people stay naturally in Montpelier because they can't commute every day. But on the other hand, when you say, you know, and this is my question, I said, okay, so if I spend $40 a day, for example, for food, the other $30 or whatever it is, that's to me a salary. So yeah. why, you, you, it's not taken back, it's your money. Yeah. And so you just substitute it. If you don't, don't say we're not getting paid enough because there are areas which you get paid like mileage. I think it's fifty some odd cents a mile, yeah. and uh, you know you you naturally you burn the gasoline whatever it is. But it's, it all it compensates you very well yeah. for other state employees who get the same mileage per per mile uh, drive. And, and they want to bump that up uh, too know, to the federal standard, I believe, which would be about sixty seven cents a, uh, a mile or something. Yeah, I mean yeah. you know it's 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 it, you know it did fluctuate yeah. the gasoline prices, but it, it's you're not losing money at that price. You're not losing. It's not like you're getting thirty five cents a mile or forty cents a mile, right. or whatever it is. It, right. I think it's well compensated, but you know you just got to understand that this is. When you leave another job, and if you have, and, and, and like I said, it's a citizen legislature, and can some people afford to go? Maybe not. But if if, if you want to, if you want, like I said, there are many people who give hours and hours and hours of select boards, school boards, and uh, for for you know five hundred dollars a year or something like that. So, I mean, it is a commitment, but it, it's it's a, it's paid commitment. It's. Uh, I, I've never seen a shortage of candidates running for office. Right. I mean, there, there's still a lot, and it's a, and it's a citizen legislature. This is what's nice. There's all sorts of folks there. There's farmers. There's grocers. There, there's lawyers. There's school teachers, uh, and so that's it, that's the makeup of it. It's not a full time career. 
Let's hear your thoughts, listeners. Uh, Travels with Charlie Senator Dick Mazza, my guest this afternoon. What are your thoughts on this proposed pay raise for the legislature? Now, it wouldn't happen immediately. It would be over the course of a few years. But your thoughts on it, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. One of the other proposals that's in there, Dick, is that you would also get pay in the off session uh, and and, and a number. They said... uh, You'd get $242 a week for the weeks that you're not there. Is that fair or not? That's completely, that's, no, that's not fair. No, that's not fair at all because there are, I know, we, we get, we get calls throughout the year, but it's it's not overwhelming. The minute you leave Montpelier, you know, there's a few meetings we have to attend occasionally, but, uh, pretty much when it's out of the limelight and off the, off the press and everything, the issues t- die down, and uh, no, you, you, it's not required that uh, that you get that extra money because some people give very few requests and others sure. get more. But you know that's part of the public service you're providing. I right. mean, like I said, I compare it to a lot of other. You look at the rescue people and the, the fire departments and all these people that dedicate a lot of time and effort. And uh, when's the last time someone went out to a rescue at a fire and got paid for it? I mean, yeah. they, you know, the volunteers. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they so, put their lives on the line every time they go there. And I, whether it's one o'clock in the morning or, you know, it's uh, on a Christmas day. Uh, so you have to look at the whole package and it's just, it's, it's not, it's not meant for a, a year round position or a full time position or to replace your regular job with a, uh, a political job that's 12 months a year because the number one were not needed years ago. They used to go every other year yep. and, uh, it's every year now. And, uh, the issues are they're complicated, but what, you can get it done whatever time you have to get it done. That's right. You give a, a definitive right. amount of time, and you'll get the job done. And to be that's fair, right. and, and you work backwards. Yeah, and, and to be fair, backwards. Senator, yeah. if you if you're on a study committee or something during the summer, don't you get yep. paid for those? Yep. If you're on, yeah, if you're on a study committee, you get per diem, yeah. and you get your mileage. So sure, yeah, everyone who gets up uh, on a study committee, and you don't have to be on a study committee. A lot of folks like to do something uh, periodically in the summertime, so usually you look for volunteers who want to be out. We've cut back on study committees because they spend a lot of time and it costs money, and uh, most of the time the reports aren't read. But you have the option. You don't have to spend, uh, but you do get compensated for your mileage and your meals and uh, and a day's pay. So. That's fine because some study committees meet twice in the summer. Some meet once. Some meet, but we've cut that back. There used to be a lot of study committees, but we find that the more reports you put out, the less people read them all. Yeah, and sometimes those reports are so long that nobody has a chance to read them. Governor, you know, uh, you, know you can, you, yeah, 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 keep it one page and we'll I'll look at it. But you, you get these thirty-page reports and they come in January and, and nobody looks at them, and uh, yeah. so they. They've uh, spent the whole summer on them, and you know what? 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 Who's going to get the benefit of them? So, I, you know, obviously the bill's still being tweaked. That it's going to go back and forth, back and forth, and then on the governor's desk, uh, he's mentioned something about he could uh, sign it, I guess, if it, it had a definitive uh, session uh, time. Uh, but if I think there's more to it than that. Because it, it, it wouldn't cost you any more money, and if you cut it back like three weeks. Uh, it would balance about about the same, so that's fine. Yeah, uh, you would be not costing the state any more money, and you'd get your work done. You would get your work done. It's like anybody who has a job today. If you've got so much work to do in an eight-hour day, you get it done. Yeah. I mean that's what you do. And uh, so, I mean, it's you can't have a no end results here. You've, you've got to have a definite time that you get it done, and uh, and move on because. We got like eight or nine hundred bills. Well, you're not. We don't take up eight or nine hundred bills because it boils down to a hundred and fifty, two hundred bills, whatever it is. So, I mean, a lot of those bills are never going to go anywhere. So you're not. Most committees, some have thirty, forty, fifty bills on their wall. Well, probably five or six are going to move out, or probably ten or twelve. But that's yeah. that's the maximum. Yeah. Um, because some are re- repetitive. They've been there every year, every year, and they don't go anywhere. So. Uh, how much time do you want to spend on them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll continue our conversation. Senator, you stay right where you are. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, yep. we've got more okay. money issues to talk about, DMV, raising sure. fees, the affordable heat bill, all yeah, right that's, here. That's a good one. I'll talk about all that. All right. Travels with Charlie, WDEV. 
When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. So please love me do. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie. My guest this afternoon, Senator Dick Mazza. Coming up, we've got Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Uh, Green Up Day is coming, and we'll have a full preview of that. Thanks uh, for joining us this afternoon with Senator Dick Mazza on the line. And we left uh, talking money issues, and we'll continue to talk money issues. Let's talk about some of the fees at the DMV, some of the highest in the country, Senator, and why raise them now? Well, you know, this is a very interesting topic because when it left, the governor's budget did not include fee increases. Uh, we are right now, we're higher than all the states around us. And I hear the word, well, we haven't raised them since 2016. There is not a mandate that we raise fees. The important issue is that you have enough money, and we certainly have had enough money on a federal level to match our federal monies and make sure we have enough. But because they spent the House to perform the budget, and they, they spent more money than I think uh, was allocated uh, in the governor's recommend. All of a sudden, they looked at maybe we could get $21 million out of the um, out of the um, uh, fees for raising registration, driver's licenses, and all the other things. Well, we don't – that was not – we didn't have to. The bill came over to me in transportation. I'm chair of the Senate Transportation Committee. It's the first time ever they had the fees included in the bill, in the transportation bill, because hmm. we have an $800 million budget in uh, transportation issues, paving, bridges, construction – and I said, no, I'm not going to include that in the in the transportation bill. Number one, I don't think it's necessary. It, it, it did not have to happen. Uh, Vermonters are hit enough right now with a lot of increases. So I said it would come out of that bill and go separately. So what it's going to do now is its appropriation has been kind enough to take that, and they're just going to separate it, and it will be voted on separate on the floor. And then people can vote whether they want to increase fees for Vermonters or not. I personally will not endorse raising the fees. I don't think it was necessary. It was put on to the last minute, and uh, and it may be fifteen, twenty, twenty-five dollars. Uh, it, it it was not required at this time. So uh, you can say what you want about. We know we haven't raised it since 2016, but there is no mandate that says we have to raise fees every five years or three years, yeah. two years. And let's it's let's be honest. All this it, extra money. Yeah. Who does it hurt? It hurts the poorest Vermonters. Well, I mean that that's right. And I mean, I, you know, we've been spoiled with a lot of federal money, hundreds of millions of dollars coming in. And my fear has always been is, you know, once you spend that money, what do you do next? Because yeah. I mean, once that money dries up. And that's why I was hoping that, uh, you know, we'd be very, very cautious about our spending because there's a lot of big ticket items out there. There's pay family leave. There's child care. There's a lot of big items that are over $100 million per year. So you'd be very cautious because this federal money is drying up, and then you're going to be on your own. So I, I just hesitate to raise fees now uh, be it when it was necessary. And that's that's my answer. And like I said, I'm – I, I, got, I got it separated, so I will have the opportunity to personally vote against it. Uh, I don't know how many others will, but uh, it wasn't necessary. The governor going to be pretty busy with his uh, veto pen uh, coming up shortly. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, he's trying to work through. I mean, you know, he's he he come up with a with a with a budget that was uh, you know not 100 percent everything, but uh, try to distribute the funds and make sure there's enough money for matching funds for our federal money because. We have to have 10%, 20% match on a lot of this federal money. But, uh, no, and I, I think – I just hope that there will come a time when everybody will sit down and try to, to work some of these things out. Uh, is it, everybody going to get what they want? No, I don't believe so. No, but, they never do. I mean, that's – you have to no, compromise. No, I, I just hope the spending – the spending is the spending is, is kind of frightening because, like I say, when I look around and I look at registrations and uh, all this, whatever fees they are around the states – uh, we are one of the highest right now. Right. So, are we trying to set a record here, or what are we trying to do? And so, um, it's it just not necessary. When you drain another twenty-one million dollars out of the 
out of the uh, pockets of Vermonters during a time when expenses are high. We yeah. all know that. Look at yeah. groceries costs. I'm in a grocery business. I can tell you what they cost. Look mm-hmm. what everything else costs, gasoline, fuel oils. And Vermonters are stretched pretty thin right now of what they can spend. And uh, This is not a time to raise fees if you don't have to. Let's hear from you, our listeners, this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, Senator Dick Mazza, my guest, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. It's been called the affordable heat bill, yet when you look at it, it's not very affordable. Uh, It passed the House last week, uh, moving from natural gas to electric. You'd be forced to do that. Now, let let me ask you this question, uh, Dick. You know, imagine your store kitchen all electric, no gas. You've got pies, bread, scones, sauce, meatballs that you're cooking in there. And you go all of a sudden, you're forced to go electric. Most restaurants, most commercial kitchens, uh, they cook with gas. And and yeah, you're right. We you know if we if we if we are fortunate enough to have uh, natural gas, uh, we are very fortunate because if you look at the cost of other fuels, and uh, natural gas is certainly there. Here's what's happening though: the, the electricity. We all know that the the world is speaking 100% on electricity, 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 and with the demand for electricity. We're talking about automobiles. We're you know we're talking about you know. Uh, hundreds of thousands of cars here relatively soon coming on the market. And my fear is what's going to happen to the cost of electricity? Uh, Because if that's your only source, and are you going to be able to keep up with the demand? Um, We're putting in a couple thousand charging stations for automobiles. Um, We're going to have them at homes. Uh, We got incentives for automobiles to buy them. We got incentives for bicycles, electric bicycles. And so the emphasis is on on electric. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, listen, I, we, we don't have a nuclear plant anymore, and we're, we're, we're banking everything on electricity. And uh, is that the right way to go and put all your eggs in one basket here? And yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of frightening because I don't hear of anything else other than electricity right now. And, and you're, you're right. I mean, if, we continue to go in that direction with electric vehicles, and yet we still have not yep. figured out a way how to, you know, all the Teslas, the Prius that are out there that are driving on the roads and, you know, beating the roads up just like yep. we do in our gas cars and trucks, uh, and they're not paying uh, their fair share. We still well, have to figure out a right way to now, do that. We've only got, you know, like uh, 18,000 or so, uh, uh, not very many uh uh, electric vehicles, but we've been working on this uh, for the last year. How do we substitute the electricity charge to offset the gasoline tax, which is a big source of revenue for us? Now, there are those who say, okay, and I, I'm one of them, say, okay, at the charging station, you charge an extra two, three cents or whatever it is per kilowatt, and the, the electricity companies will collect it and then turn it over to the state. And uh, But here's the problem. What do you do with 25% of our business in Vermont is tourism. So, uh, you know, how do you account for those folks that are buying electricity? They're, they're in your state. Yeah. Right now they stop at the gas pumps and they pay the tax. So right. that's a big factor right there. How, do, how are we going to – and this is a national issue right now because it's, it's, uh, we've got to figure out a way to replace that gas tax for the use of the highways and uh, – or diesel tax, whatever it is, but uh, at least diesel tax, they tell you how many miles you drive in the state. The truckers have to keep track of that, and it's a little easier to keep track of. But and then, so if you if you charge at home, uh, who knows what how much, what you're charging on your house uh, plug-in? Or so there's no way of distinguishing what is going to be your vehicle charge versus your house charge. Right. So you got to figure that one out because I predict probably 75% of your charging is going to be done overnight at home. Because people are going to come home, plug in their car, and in the morning it's ready to go right. on a slow charge. So they're not going to be buying much on a highway uh, unless they, they help it because it's going to cost more on a highway. But uh, And it takes, you know, you, who's going to sit there a, on a roadside for yeah. half hour, for three quarters of an hour to, to charge? Exactly. Um, so, so these are all issues that are very, very serious. Uh, how do we, and we don't have an answer yet. I can tell you that I've. I've had so many, so many conversations about this, and um, it falls under our committee. And but yet, there's no easy answer out there. But it is a major, major problem because we have to replace those uh, gasoline taxes, 
and uh, with electricity. Just got a couple of minutes left here, and I thank you for joining me. I know you're yeah. very yeah. busy at the at yeah. the store, certainly. And yeah. I, I did want to talk with you just All a little right. bit about that because you know we talk with many businesses here on Travels with Charlie and what they've experienced going through COVID, and now we're we're over that. But it doesn't seem like we've been able to revert back to pre-COVID. But one of the big issues is is labor and still, you know, food shortages, uh, you know, rising prices, labor issues. Do you see that reverting back at all? Or is this the way, is this the status quo I going listen, forward? I think it's, I think, I think it's getting worse. I really do. I, 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 there isn't a place I go to and I go to a lot of different businesses that is, are begging for help. In fact, I'm in a position, I'm looking for two to three people this summer and I, I can't find them. There's nobody applying. They don't, they don't even ask you, uh, what the job is or how much you pay. Uh, it's a crisis out there, and I, I can tell you, just, just for an example, a quick example, we had one bid that we estimated around $10 million for paving, and the low bid was $16 million because labor, trucking, everything has yeah. gone through the roof. Yeah. So, you know, that's what's it's affecting everybody, and the cost of doing business is really affected. But the labor market, uh, everybody's, you know, stealing from somebody else, and I'll yeah. pay you $30 an hour, I'll give you 35 <laughs> That's the way it's going, but... Well, we got Memorial Day coming up on the bay in Colchester, certainly one of the popular spots right, to right. stop. The will be in the lake pretty soon. And, yeah, uh, and and you uh, know where to go for cold beer place. and sandwiches and ice, and it's uh, yeah. Maz's General yeah. Store. Pizza, 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 we'll have that around pretty soon, so we got some, got some pizzas again. So. Hey, Dick, i got to tell you, you know, I posted a picture of you in your office on uh, my Facebook page, and it, it reminded me yep. Seven Days just did uh, an article called, uh, co- you know, Seven Days, it's called collections and it's all about people that do collecting and, and the like and our friend Billy Bratcher is in there he likes to collect guitars and musical memorabilia and of course everyone thinks oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. everyone thinks of Dick with his car collection but if you looked in your <laughs> office I mean that's you know forget about the cars the political memorabilia in your office oh, my and God. I go back I and, go back to 50 60 years my dad was in the legislature and I got pictures of Oh my God! I got some. I got some. But you know, it's very, it's very exciting. The one, the one. You'll have to zoom in on my uh, Facebook page, or just get uh, the copy of Seven Days and zoom in there. The, I think you can see it at the bottom of your desk. The picture of former Governor Peter Shumlin, or Shummy as we like to call him, kiss, oh, yeah. kiss, a kissing a yeah. pig. Yep, yep. <laughs> that is priceless. And he gave you that. In fact, I think he handed that to you on my radio program. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. No, no, no. Was, oh, God. I, uh, I, yeah, Peter and I got some good memories. Oh, back, man. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah I've, I've served with some good, good, of fun governors and uh, Howard Dean and yeah. all of them. It's, it's a good time. Have you ever thought of running running for governor at, at any time no, in your you life? Know, you know, Did you? I, here's here's one here's one thing I want to tell you. Yeah. Everybody knows what they what their what their expectations are and yeah. what they're qualified to do. And I have been every day when I go that month there. I, I I'm so honored to be able to serve in the Senate. And, and and never never was I ever felt qualified to be governor or lieutenant governor. But I but I I know I think I can do what I'm doing. But uh, that that's a desire that you you really have to feel qualified to do. And I'll tell you, I see what the governors go through and the the, the issues they have these days. They're yeah. working 24 hours a day. Phil Scott never goes home. I think, and uh, it, it it's a it really really got to. Uh, there's a lot on your shoulders. Well, we love what you do in Montpelier, Dick, and yeah, thank yeah, you know, yeah, thank goodness yeah. for your common sense well, mentality. Yeah. I think we need yeah, more of well, that. Forget yeah, about thank, political, thank you know, Republican, yeah, Democrat, yeah. doesn't matter. It's yeah, uh, it's yeah. more it's common sense, and uh, you are one of the common sense guys uh, down there. Um, thanks for joining okay. me here on Travels with Charlie. We'll see well, you shortly. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Time falls right by, so we'll it, catch you again sometime. All right. Thank, thank you, Dick. There you go, Senator Dick Mazza here on Travels with Charlie. Coming up next, Bob Blanchard with Lost Burlington, Vermont. Uh, first, we'll be with uh, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. That's next, Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. And I think 
Good afternoon. Welcome back. Speaking over uh, Elton John, <laughs> thanks for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Good to have you on board with us. It's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. And Jeff Weld joining me today, Casella.com, with a, well, it's the 53rd annual Green Up Day in Vermont happening on May 6th. Man, can you believe it, Jeff? Good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Hey, thanks, Charlie. Yeah, um, you know. Sort of the uh, the big spring is here, right? I mean, that's that's the way we judge it in Vermont. Green up days around the corner, so. And I've seen some of the here. crews out already. Uh, you know, the state crews have been out on the highways doing cleanup already. But of course, the big day, May six, and as I mentioned, you know, started fifty three years ago. Uh, and Casella has been a sponsor of this event for decades. Thanks for your sponsorship. Yeah, it's one of those events that were really, you know, 1970 it rolled around and, and we came came along about five years after and we've been a part of it ever since. And, you know, for a lot of people, they think about, you know, springtime, they give us a call, they need a big dumpster, clean out the garage, tackle the renovation project. But for us, um, you know, here in Vermont and, and throughout our footprint throughout the Northeast, we really look at these events as, you know, the coming of spring, and it, it's a, a chance to get back out there and, and get engaged with the communities that we serve and care about. And, and you know, Jeff, uh, as one would expect, uh, the way that things have changed over the last 53 years, uh, you know, it used to be, uh, you know, it's green up day, and you, you showed up at your town offices or your community center, and, and you grabbed a bag, and you went out there, and, and now they're, they're urging you to, uh, to get the app. You know, everything is an app on your phone. You can track your team. Uh, you can even track the route uh, and then let your town know where the trash is. Yeah, it's really, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to uh, Kate Alberghini over there as the executive director. She's brought a lot of innovation and, and really brought it into uh, modern day. And, and we participated for the first time using that app, and we had a bit of a competition throughout Casella. And, um, you know, uh, funny thing, funny enough, um, the rest of the folks throughout the, the Northeast they were a little jealous that, that we were only doing Vermont. So we, we rolled it out to the rest of our divisions. And, you know, this past weekend for Earth Day, we had about two or 300 folks out there throughout, you know, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, New Hampshire, uh, getting into the swing of things. So we've got our own internal competition to see who can volunteer the most hours, pick up the most trash, and, and really make the biggest impact. But as far as Green Up Vermont and, and the app and really modernizing that, that I think that's gone a, a long ways. Um, you know, I, I do it with my kids, and, and they're they're kind of like, you know, able to push the buttons and 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 show the show that it uh, you know it really engages a, a younger generation as well. So, Absolutely, uh, you know, it to, it to teaches them, teaches them uh, you know responsibility and and the right thing to do. Uh, certainly, you know, volunteers are needed for this event. It's on May sixth. You can find out more information at greenupvermont.org. Spell out Vermont. Greenupvermont.org. You can. You can uh, download the app. You can even order green-up gear like a safety orange T-shirt or uh, aluminum water bottles, and all the pro- proceeds support Green Up Day. More information if you need one of them big dumpsters, if you're doing that cleanup at your house, Casella can help you out, Casella.com. You can find out more information there. Jeff, you'll be out on May 6th with your family and doing lots of pickup, and, you know, we thank you for what you do all year long, you know, you think about all the tires that are going to be picked up on uh, May 6th. But, uh, you know, you guys have been part of the Wheels for Warmth program for many, many years as well. And that's taken a ton of tires out of the landfill. Yeah, it's really something. I mean, if you think about, you know, Green Up Vermont sort of saying that they're about 450,000 tires that they're picking up roadside and, and we're got to be right there with them with Wheels for Warmth. And, and it just showcases really you know, the power of people coming together, especially in a state like Vermont, where, you know, uh, common sense hopefully always prevails um, and and we can put partisanship aside and, and come together. Uh, so this is one of those events, right? Crosses all boundaries, yep. showcases Vermont and all its glory and uh, – you know, people get out and help keep it clean and beautiful. Absolutely. Get on out May 6th, the 53rd annual Green Up Day in Vermont, greenupvermont.org, casella.com for more information. And, Jeff, we always thank you for joining us here on Travels with Charlie and for your support of Travels with Charlie. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having us, Charlie. Appreciate it. All right. Stay tuned. Coming up next, uh, Lost Burlington, Vermont author Bob Blanchard joins us. But first, hey, let me tell you what's going on at Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington and now in South Burlington. I just stopped by on the way down today at 408 Shelburne Road. They've been open now for a couple of weeks. It's called Myers Wood Fired. They're doing bagels. They're doing libations. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they got pizza, wood-fired pizza. Now, they're going to be doing that probably in another month, month and a half. They're going to be starting that. Uh, and they're looking for help. Myers Bagels at Hotmail.com. If you want to shoot them an email, Myers Bagels at Hotmail.com. It's a wonderful location, 408 Shelburne Road in South Burlington. They're open from 6 a.m. till 2 in the afternoon, doing uh, innovative lunches and uh, breakfast sandwiches and fine pastries. Check it out, Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington, and now Myers uh, Wood Fired, Wood Fired Bagels and Pizza and Libations. MyersBagels.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. MyersBagels BTV. All right, coming up next, we'll check in with Bob Blanchard, Lost Burlington, Vermont, right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millnetravel.com. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie, a little Bon Jovi to kick it uh, out uh, this afternoon. And my next guest here on Travels with Charlie is uh, Bob Blanchard. Uh, he grew up in Burlington, as I did. And, uh, well, I didn't write a book, but he did. <laughs> Bob, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Glad to be here. So when did you first get interested in the history of Burlington? Oh, God, decades ago, I found a book called, uh, I think it was called Bygone Burlington at a used bookstore. Had a lot of old pictures. Um, picturesque Burlington, that was the name of it. The store was Bygone Books. Um, anyway, had a lot of old pictures of Burlington, and, you know, I kind of became fascinated at that point. Put it away for a long, long time because I was busy raising a family and working and everything else. And so in the last few years, I've really, you know, taken this on as an avid hobby. Well, well, I guess it's more than a hobby. I know uh, we'll, we'll get into your Facebook uh, group that you created with over 23,000 um, people that uh, are follow that. But the, let's talk more about the book, which chronicles over 60 historic landmarks, how they came to be, their role in the city, and how many of them met their end. And I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit more about that because, uh, you know, in my recollection, growing up in Burlington in the 60s and 70s, uh, for some, it was a uh, fire. For some, uh, urban renewal. Um, and let's probably the, the most uh, uh, thought of when you think of, uh, you know, historic buildings, there were two churches, the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception and St. Paul's Cathedral, both which burned down within a year of each other. Right. Uh, there was a definite arson problem in the 70s in Burlington, um, and as you mentioned, the, the two cathedrals were probably, at least in my mind, those were the most devastating losses yeah. covered in the book. Uh, it just changed the city forever. There were beautiful buildings, irreplaceable, and went way beyond the members of each parish. The whole community was shocked and saddened by those, those churches being lost. Um, but, you know, there's just so many other buildings that burned. I think I did a rough count, and it was around 20 of the <laughs> losses in the book were from fire. And many of them, uh, you know, in the, in the 70s, the Strong Theater, which was on Main Street, and then the State yeah. Theater, just uh, up a couple of blocks right. from there. And those were, were those both arson as well, Bob? They're pretty sure the Strong was. Um, the other, the State was inconclusive. There was an explosion in the basement, I think of the Black Cat, which was in the same building, yeah. and um, I don't think they ever really ruled that to be arson. I think it was found to be accidental. 
the Fern Hill Mansion was another one that burned. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. That was in the 70s as well. Um, at the end of North Prospect Street, beautiful old mansion. Um, but, you know, four hotels burned. Uh, you know, some of these are before our time. Yes. But, you know, a lot of just beautiful, beautiful structures that have been lost. If you grew up in Burlington, you have a memory, and you'd like to share it here this afternoon on Travels with Charlie with my guest, Bob Blanchard, uh, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. Some of uh, the other buildings that are no longer there that you chronicle in your book, Lost Burlington, Vermont, uh, a couple of schools, the Converse School, one, and uh, one where I went uh, to school was Cathedral Grammar, which was also known as Cathedral High School. Yeah, well, Cathedral Grammar actually was a separate building, and after Rice Memorial opened, um, the high school uh, students went to Rice, and the Cathedral Grammar students moved into the old Cathedral High School building. So there's a little bit of confusion about that. Okay. But Cathedral Grammar was a huge building on St. Paul Street that was uh, opened in 1901. It was torn down in 1959, just a huge, magnificent building, um, had the tallest spire ever in Burlington. Cathedral High School on Pearl and St. Paul Street was another really nice building, uh, you know, and you you just, I, I put myself in the mind of the guys who were tearing down these structures and like, what must they have been thinking? You know, it's like, did they not care? Or, uh, you know, the old days, there just wasn't a lot of thought about architectural preservation yeah. and historic significance and everything else. Uh, well, imagine that happening. Today, Bob, uh, you know they they you you can't take a building down or a structure down without years and years of controversy and going back and forth whether or not uh, it could be torn down. Yeah, I kind of get into that in the conclusion of the book, uh, the balance between historic preservation and property rights. So it's a it's a difficult balance to strike for sure. A lot of people say the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction, but certainly you know back in the fifties and sixties for sure. It was way too far in in favor of just letting property owners do whatever they wanted with no, you know, consequences to yeah. uh, tearing down historic buildings. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a tough one. It, it, it definitely is. But the, the, the main thing to keep in mind is, you know, when you have a beautiful building, it's it's irreplaceable once right. it's gone. And what's really sad, Cathedral uh, Grammar School is one instance of this, is is when they're replaced with a parking lot. That's yeah. like the worst. Yeah. <laughs> um, Converse School, another school that's no longer there, and that was right in the same proximity of uh, the Cathedral of uh, uh, and the Cathedral Grammar in high school. Uh, was that part of urban yeah. renewal, Bob? Uh, yeah, that building was built in 1893. It was, to me, the most magnificent school building ever in Burlington. Uh, and it did come down in 66, 1966, as part of the urban renewal. It had been neglected, um, you know, pretty much same story as with as is going on with Memorial Auditorium, but even more so with, with Converse School. It was a very ornate stone building, very expensive to maintain these types of structures. Yeah. And so they just kept, you know, they used the phrase deferred maintenance, but to me it's just neglect. Um, water started getting into the bell tower. They took the bell tower off, capped it, but, you know, the, there was a lot of damage. And and when Urban Renewal came around, of course, that building was in the Urban Renewal zone, and it would have been ruinously expensive to move it so they just knocked it down yes it's a shame um growing up in that uh, that area of course uh, back in the 60s uh, i was i went to school with the I don't know if you mentioned it in your book, but uh, the Dutra family and, uh, you know, Dutra's Ponderosa became uh, notorious. They were the one family during urban renewal that refused to leave. And all the buildings, all the homes and everything, were they were torn down around them, and they were the, the last uh, building standing. Yeah. Right, right. Well, you know, I, when I put together the outline for the book, I didn't want to just include buildings. I, I wanted to include other features, and, you know, the lost neighborhood, as I call it, was certainly – worthy of its own chapter and you know the bitterness uh toward what happened to those people in that neighborhood and and the aftermath really you know the, let's knock these buildings down and get going on building all these great new structures and as you know 
that area was full of vacant property for years and years and years. And then they put up a bunch of boxes like the old Cherry Street parking garage, which has already been torn down. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it just did not leave up, live up to the hype uh, of, of how great everything was going to be. And, uh, you know, the, you could write a whole book just about urban renewal. I and and there's still a lot of bad feelings about that. I know a lot of the uh, displaced oh, yeah. families, the second generation, third generations that are still living in the Burlington area, and they feel that they were displaced, uh, you know, wrongly. There was a lot of, uh, you know, really undervaluation of, as far as what they were paid for their their homes. And, you know, instead of being undervalued, their homes should have been overvalued because of all of the disruption to their lives, the loss of friends and neighbors, and right. on and on and on, you know. So, yeah, I can see why people remain bitter even to this day. Let's yeah. let's talk a little bit about uh, the waterfront. Bob Blanchard, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie Lost. Burlington, Vermont is the uh, name of his book. It's published by History Press. Uh, and the waterfront, how that's changed in the last 200 years. You go back to its early days, and it was a, an industrial uh, area. It certainly was not a beautiful waterfront, was it? No, no, it was it was thriving in terms of industry, but it certainly wasn't a beautiful waterfront. I mean, it was mills and factories and belching chimneys and trains and canal boats coming and going and piles and piles and piles of lumber uh, covering acres. You know, it just but that's where the money that really resulted in a lot of Burlington's great architecture came from. Right. Uh, Burlington was, pros- was prosperous. Yeah. And, you know, this was, this was the price you paid for prosperity. It certainly fueled the uh, the economy in Burlington. Uh, let's talk about a couple of uh, landmarks. Uh, the Moran plant, uh, that is, that's constantly changing and still, uh, it's just a, a frame now. But I go back to, I think it was uh, late uh, 80s, maybe early 90s, the uh, the Peace Grain Tower. You may recall this one, Bob. There was a oh, yeah. big, uh, con- this is a grain, grain tower we're talking about. Birds lived in it and was full of bird dung, and and they, they they wanted to preserve it. Now they'll tear an old building down that has architectural integrity, but uh, the Pease Grain Tower that went on for years. Do you remember that? Of course I do. Yeah. Well, like you said, there was only this metal grain tower that was left. The rest of the Pease Company was gone. It was just this metal resting tower, and what people who wanted to keep it were saying was that it was a it harkened back to the days of the industrial waterfront but it really wasn't even that old uh you know it just didn't go back to the days of the lumber mills right you know the the, the, what made burlington prosperous was you know this lumber trade that lasted almost a century on the on the waterfront and the peace grain tower was built i can't remember exactly when but like in the 40s or 1940s or something it wasn't really even that old you know so (laughs) but it's gone so you don't have to worry about it anymore well, let's talk about uh, some of the buildings that were nearly demolished, but were saved, thankfully. Uh, the Edmonds Middle School and Fletcher Free Library, Bob. Yeah, the Edmonds Middle School, you know, I, I put it in there. It didn't really come that close to being demolished, but the superintendent of schools, a man named Logan, did want it taken down. He put together a plan. Uh, he said the building was tired. This was in 1964, as I recall. Uh Edmonds dates to 1900, so it was 64 years old at that point. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, it's now like 120 years old, and it's still solid as a rock. Yeah. Um, so that Logan wanted to get this. He wants to take tear everything down except for the uh, basement, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the course of the windows just above the ground, and he wanted to cap it, and he wanted to have like, uh, as I recall, like uh, industrial uh, classes in the in the basement. And, um, you know, he wanted to get it on the ballot, but it, it never even made it to a vote. So that didn't really get all that far. But, you know, he was a superintendent of schools. Yeah. He wanted to tear it down. So I think it was worth mentioning. And, and what about the library, the uh, Fletcher Free yeah. Library, which is still that, there? That came, that came um, was it still where? That's still the, the Fletcher Free Library. Yeah. Okay. That came very close to being demolished because it was built on filled land from the old ravine and it was settling very severely. It was so bad. They had to move the books into the basement of Memorial auditorium that uh, Fletcher was closed for several years as a result of this. And pretty much they studied it and said, uh, it's too far gone. We can't remedy it. It's going to be taken down. 
So a group of concerned citizens got together and they got a federal grant and they managed to brace up the building and solidify it and uh, it, and it was safe. You can uh, read Bob's book. It's available. It just came out uh, recently. In fact, you've got a, a book signing coming up at Phoenix Bookstores, I think. Uh, do you have the date uh, in front yeah, of you, Bob? It's the 11th of May at 7, 7 o'clock. Okay. A uh, couple of minutes left. Let's talk about your Facebook page, Burlington Area History. You started it in 2019, nearly 23,000 followers now. Did you ever think you'd have that many followers on Facebook? I thought if I got to 200, I'd be doing great. Wow. <laughs> you know, I follow that. And one of the things, of course, growing up in Burlington, one of the ones that I like, uh, I like when uh, you post pictures of, of the food places. And most recently, I think you had the All-American Hero. And they just, you know, people just mm-hmm. jump on board. They go, oh, yeah, they had great subs. And, you know, Alfonso's for pizza. I remember going there for pizza, you know, with yeah. my with my family. Poncho's sure. uh, on Church Street. I think that was the first grinder place. You know, we called them grinders, you know, here whatever you want to call them, the first grinder place in Burlington. Uh, I haven't seen any pictures uh, recently of uh, Charlie's Red Hots. That was on Lower Church Street, another great spot. There, there's some on the page. There's some good pictures of Charlie's, including a great one of Charlie himself. I've got more, but, you know, I <laughs> I put up three or four or five posts a day, so I, you know, I, I have to kind of parcel them out. Yeah. I can't just... Throw all my Charlie's Red Hots out there in one day. Yeah. Man, how we, you know, how we think about too how Church Street has changed, you know, over the years. I started thinking about this as I, before I, uh, I got you on, Bob, and I remember, you know, going on uh, Church Street. We used to call it going up street. I lived on Lower St. Paul and Lower Pine at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'd go to, you know, Jupiter's, <laughs> remember Jupiter's retail store? And you could buy oh, yeah. boiled ham there. You could get a ham sandwich at Jupiter's or the, or the Woolworth's mm-hmm. counter, or of course, we didn't have Lunix back then. We had the A and W root beer stand. Right. Yeah. A and W was. It's very well remembered. Whenever I post a photo of that, which I did in the last few weeks, people yeah. respond heavily. Great stuff. Hey, Bob, I really appreciate you joining me today. Burlington Area History is the Facebook page. Check it out. And his book, Lost Burlington, Vermont, is available on Amazon. Amazon.com. Bob, thanks for joining me today, and I look forward to seeing more pictures. It's also available locally in bookstores. Good stuff. All right. Thank you, Bob. Uh, thanks to my sponsors, Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne Travel, Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington, and now in South Burlington, Myers Wood Fired. My theme song, written and performed by Billy Bratcher, executive producer, Brad Ferlin, running the board today, Brady Farkas. Thank you, Brady. I'm Charlie Papillo. I'll see you in my travels. Our next show is coming up on May 8th. Guests have not been determined yet. If you have an idea for a show guest, you can email me, cpapilloradio at gmail.com. Have a great day, and I'll see you in my travels.